It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, AsianBoxing.info. Scott and Colin hanging out with you here. Scott, how are you today, my good sir? I'm doing good, thank you. I keep thinking about Christmas way too early. What about yourself? There's, you know, there's no reason that uh, you should be thinking about Christmas right now. It's it's September, Scott. It's only three months away. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I guess there's always a good time to be thinking about Christmas. It is. It's coming up. It, it's my favorite holiday too. That's what you and I share in common. Christmas is our favorite holiday, and I know you eat a lot of chocolate and goodies during Christmas as well. Exactly. I might just start and start eating them now. You know what would be great? What I, I would want for Christmas, a good Christmas gift, would be some good fights. And we have been lacking in terms of big, huge fights. I know we have Joshua Usyk uh, coming up in a, a couple of days, actually tomorrow. But uh, we've been lacking in that. Let's talk about, though, we, we have a couple of fights that are going on. And let's go back to Junto Nakatani and his United States debut I was impressed, Scott. I, I know that he has made his way up the ranks. He has a title. Now he comes to the United States, faces a tough puncher in Angel Costa, and passes with flying colors. Yeah, I thought he was really, really impressive. I thought that we'd see him start very slowly. I thought we'd see him ease into his U.S. debut. But instead, he fought very much like a man who just wanted to make an instant impression. He attacked uh, Acosta early on. He landed some really, really good, solid straight shots. Uh, hurt Acosta a couple of times, left him bloodied. And, um, it's a shame the ending was the way it was, with um, Acosta's blood all over the place, but really, really good US debut. People were saying the stoppage was too soon, right? But, I mean, you look at the blood that was coming out, and I, I believe Joel Diaz, uh, the trainer, his... Acosta's trainer was saying, hey, probably one more round, I'm going to stop it because that was not a regular nosebleed. People were saying, oh, you know, you don't stop a fight for a nosebleed, but that was not that was not a regular one. There is something going on there where they busted a huge nerve and it was just pouring out. Acosta came back kind of strong while he was bleeding and you could see Nakatani, tough guy. He was taking some big shots too. Acosta did exactly what I think any fighter should do in that situation and came out swinging for the fences. He knew time was limited and he knew that he had to go for it. And, and it's a shame we don't see more fighters doing that. Sometimes you see him getting cut and just kind of meander to a loss or meander to the point where the referee steps in and just waves it off. So it was great to see Acosta firing off the big shots. But yeah, the, it was going to stop the bout sooner or later. He'd been hurt a couple of times. The blood was everywhere. I think Diaz would have made the right decision, had the round finished. And it was a weird stoppage, but I don't think it was actually the wrong stoppage. Now, Nakatani back in Japan. And what are his plans uh, for his next fight? His next fight, he's hoping to fight again this year. He hasn't got a date planned or anything like that, but he did ride back in Japan and basically went, I haven't got any cuts, I haven't got any damage. It'd be great if I could fight again before the end of the year. Fingers crossed that does happen. He spoke about wanting to fight Martinez, the WBC champion, or a Japanese opponent such as Diego Yuri Akwai or Ryoto Yamauchi. So he's open, um, available, and I think I think we will see him fight probably in December. I love that attitude from Nakatani, wanting to get back in as soon as possible. It's refreshing, 
especially in a period where it seems like so many guys are, are inactive or, or fighting only a couple of times. Um, but Rudy Hernandez, uh, I tip my cap to him because he's done a great job with Nakatani. Of course, his trainers in Japan as well. And uh, he's really looking like one of the top Japanese fighters um, in the world right now. He's like one of the top young fighters in the world right now. He's only 23, I think. Um, only just burst onto the world scene at the end of last year. I think he's got, a, he's got an incredibly bright future ahead of him. Let's move on, Scott. Uh, we unfortunately had another top Japanese fighter fall a couple of days ago. And it, this was, a, a, I guess, a unique circumstance because Ken Shiro, one of my favorite fighters to watch, um, he, he lost his title, but he just had a tough time coming back from COVID. Yeah, it was a really, really, really strange situation. In late August, he tested positive for COVID along with his trainer. Um, his bout was then cancelled, which was supposed to take place on September 10th, and eventually pushed back just 12 days. And I think we can all quite fairly say that wasn't long enough. Um, it was bizarre that they rushed it, um, but apparently that was Kenshiro's choice, so it falls on him, but it does seem very weird. They only pushed it back by 12 days uh, when he had to take a week out of training anyway. He did not look his usual self. He looked almost like a man who hadn't been fully prepared for what was about to come ahead of him. Whilst Masamichi Yibuki scouted him really well, he threw a lot of really solid and clean right hands. Uh, Yibuki just... Yibuki seemed like he took the bout seriously, whilst Kenshiro looked like He'd been completely derailed by the illness, and after the bout, it was revealed that he'd had to lose around 13 pounds on sort of like the week of the fight, and I think that really did show how he looked in the final round, um, looked round 10. I'm curious why they rushed it, um, because you would think, okay, you have COVID, take that time to get better, and not only get better, but get back into boxing shape. And you mentioned 13 pounds. You can't lose that on, on the week of the fight. I mean, that's way too extreme. And I'm sure he was weight drained to the nth degree because of that. Yeah, my assumption is that he thought by fighting as soon as possible, he could fit in a fight in December. Um, perhaps on a certain December 28th card with Ray Otomarata. Um so if I had to get this out of the way first, but it still seems stupid to rush it. He could have fought Yabuki on that car at the end of the day. He could have retaken his time. Um, and he's taken a loss of result. He's lost his world title as a result. Um, and he's ended up spending time in hospital as a result. So maybe a warning to other fighters that if you get COVID, take your time. Let your body rest and adjust. Well, and it, it is kind of overlooking Yabuki probably and saying, hey, I mean... I I'm, I'm Ken Shiro. I'm undefeated. I'm one of the best in the world at, at this weight. I can take him even if I'm not 100%. Maybe. You also remember the only two people who have beaten Yabuki are... Uh, sorry, the only three people that have beaten Yabuki are a current interim champion in Daniel Matalon, a Japanese flyweight champion in Siego Yuriakoi, and the one we mentioned earlier, Junto Nakatani. So it's not like he's some pushover. Um, he's a natural flyweight. He's come down in weight. He's a big puncher. He shouldn't be the sort of guy you overlook. It's been a rough past couple of years for Ken Shiro, who his career was looking like it was going up, up, and away. And unfortunately, 
You have the incident with him walking into a car drunk. You have COVID. You have this loss now. Um, not saying it, it's a career-ending loss. Of course, he, he's still young, and I know he'll be back in there, and he'll probably be a champion again. It's just really unfortunate these past couple of years to see kind of the fall of Ken Shiro. Yeah, and I'm hoping this actually serves a wake-up call to him as well. Um, he was, for my money, the best, he still is, the best light flyer on the planet on his day. But he's also somebody who perhaps has a few lessons to learn um, and maturity to do and fantastic boxer. But yeah, the last couple of years, as you mentioned, he didn't fight at all last year. He had the issues at the end of the year. He's had this. Um, fingers crossed he sorts things out and gets back to where he was. Yeah, Ken, I mean, I know you look like you're 13, but don't act like you're 13. The guy's got wins over guys like Randy Pellicorin and Jonathan Tackening and Saul Warris and made these look easy. We know how good he is. It's just a shame that he really didn't look himself here. Other fights too, Scott, around Japan have been postponed because of COVID. Yeah, incidentally, there's a Japanese youth title fight on this very same card between Aor Bamori and Yuge Inoue. Uh, that was cancelled, and then on the same day, within hours of that bout being cancelled, Shingo Kusano uh, got a positive test and had to pull out his bout with Taiki Minamoto. So, wake up call to everyone in Japan is take this seriously. And everybody in boxing realizes this is still here. This hasn't vanished, it hasn't gone away. Even if you get vaccinated, you can still get it. You can still be an issue. You can still have bouts cancelled. So, Let's at least take things seriously and continue to try and avoid getting it if we can. Yeah, I mean, you, you really can't blame these fighters. It's just, it's it's a tough situation, this whole pandemic. And even if you are careful and, and you, um, you know, wash your hands and do all the things that you should be doing, you can still get it. So uh, it's, it's not going to go away. It's something that we have to learn to live with. Um, so it's just kind of one of those unfortunate things. Uh, it's the Asian Boxing Podcast, AsianBoxing.info is the website. It's Scott, it's Colin. Now, Scott, um, we have some other big news. I know we haven't seen a lot of huge fights, but one of the bright young stars is getting back in the ring, Kosei Tanaka. Kosei Tanaka announced this morning that he'd be facing Shoishida on December 11th. In Nagoya. Um, it'll be his first bout since losing to Kazuto Ayoka at the end of last year, and it is a mouthwatering bout. Tanaka, three weight world champion, um, one of the brightest young talents in boxing. Even now, he's still a youngster. Even though he's a three weight world champion, he's fighting 10, 11 world title fights. And Shoishida is a former world title challenger, a tall, awkward fighter who. Um, is actually promoted by Kazutoyoka's father and went to school with Kazutoyoka. So there may be a little bit of secret sharing and talking there. Um, such a really good bout. It's almost a world title limit, I guess, uh, between two world ranked, world class super flyweights. Kosei doesn't take any easy bouts, Scott. We've, we've learned that about him. He goes all in and he challenges himself in basically every fight. He really hasn't had many walkover easy type fights where it's like all right well he, he's gonna win this one pretty easily no he's either up in against a, a world champ or a world title 
um, challenger. Usually that's what it's all about for, for Kosei Tanaka. Yeah, you don't want to actually forgive him for having a really easy one here over some useless domestic level guy. But no, he goes up and goes, eh, fall water at me and come on, let's see you. Um, he's a credit to boxing, and it's going to be a shame that his career is not going to be as long as perhaps it should be. Well, he's taking some beatings. That's that's the big reason why. I mean, he's given a lot of beatings too, but he's been in some absolute wars. I mean, you look at Kimura, Taguchi, Ioka, yeah, Acosta. So even though he he's racked up wins along the way, he also has taken a lot of punishment along the way. Yeah, he's like had double eye fractures twice as well. Um against Rang Sang Shan Yaram and Shokimura. Uh, he took a lot of punishment against Jonathan Gonzalez. He is going to have a very short career, but what a career is going to be. Um, we should really treasure him whilst he's still in the spot. How about his brother, Ryome? I know he won the bronze medal. Is he going to dip his toe into the, the pro game? doesn't sound like that's in his immediate plans. I think he's got a amateur tournament, a big anim- amateur tournament at the end of the year, and then maybe next year, but there wasn't really that sort of conversation had publicly. Um, and it's a shame because I think he's probably more technical, more technical fighter than Kosai. I think he could probably have a very, very promising professional career, but he's 28 now. If he's going to make that run, it has to be next year at the latest. Yeah, I agree. He is... More technical than Kosei, but he seems like he's a pretty tough guy because in the Olympics he did get uh, a whooping actually in in a couple of those fights too. And he seemed like he was standing pretty strong as well. So he might have that Tanaka blood in him too, where he's just the chin, the granite chin is there as well. That Japanese spirit. That's right. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. All right, Scott, uh, let's get into some of the news first. Let's start with a couple of bouts that have been ordered. Now, they are not scheduled yet. They've been ordered by the WBC, and it drives me nuts when we get all these bouts ordered because there are fights to make, and instead, these fights are ordered. And only about one in every ten of them actually took place, and the others just vanished into the ether. it's, It's all formality, I guess. Um... But but talk about these two fights, Donaire um, versus Gabayo and Magasayo versus Russell Jr., who I don't, I don't remember the last time we've seen Russell Jr. in the ring. Um, but both these fights have been ordered by the WBC. Yeah, so Magasayo versus Russell Jr., we kind of expected when Magasayo beat Seha. That was a WBC eliminator. Um, it made a lot of sense. Russell Jr. needs to make his annual one-off every blue moon appearance and it makes sense that he makes it against a mandatory you know that tends to be the only time we see him in the ring i unfortunately think that max is going to look an absolute fool here i don't think he's going to have anywhere near the tools to deal with russell jr um which is a shame because i think russell jr is essentially keeping the title hostage and it's a really really, really disappointing event. such a fantastic fighter such a laboriously tiresome reign and what a waste of time. Uh, as for Daenerys' Gabalo, uh, I think it's fair to say it's about that nobody actually wants, even though it makes sense. 
Denner being the regular champion, Gabayo being the interim champion. We want to only see one title. We want to see pointless titles getting rid of. But when there's Casemiro uh, and anyway, both in the division, the WBC have made a mess themselves. And unfortunately, we're all suffering. My frustration with this is Donaire and Casemiro have been taking forever, forever to get it on. Uh, they have the fight scheduled. And then there is all the, the controversy with the Vada testing and insulting Donaire's wife, which Casimero's a joke. He he needs to get taught a lesson. Um, but then Donaire and Casimero, oh, we're going to make it again. But then there's more stuff getting in the way. So that also is frustrating because you see the path for the fight, the contracts there, everything's there. And I'm just wondering why why it's not being made. Yeah, and it left the door open for the WBC to do this. We knew it was going to happen at some point. We knew that if Donaire didn't get a bout on paper, they were going to order this one. And such a waste of opportunity. Um, boxing again, getting in the way of itself. It just, it's boxing. It's one, one of the annoying things. And it's strange that we're complaining about two legitimate punches in Donaire and Gabalo facing off. A young fighter in Gabalo, a potential new face for Filipino boxing. Okay, going, yeah, but we really want like, either of those other two instead. Um, especially after Gabal only just got past Rodriguez. I think that rematch should have happened by now, to be honest. So, Casimero now, where where is he at? Uh, because now Donaire's gone. Does he pursue a fight with Inoue? Again, that's the obvious choice, but boxing doesn't do the obvious. I think we'll probably see him make a WBO mandatory and maybe even see Inoue make a WBA mandatory. At least to get them out of the way, we can perhaps, maybe, hopefully, see them all face off next year. If not, we're going to see John Real Casemiro beat Paul Butler in a mandatory, and uh, it's not really about, I think, anyone's too excited about. So, fingers crossed, we see Casemiro anyway in December. If not, Casemiro beats Paul Butler in a, a really pointless bout. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. It, it really is. Um... But you mentioned it. It's boxing. This is boxing. As Triple G likes to say, this is boxing. And that's what happens. Gets in the way of itself. It's a beautiful sport. When it's at its purest, finest form, there is nothing better. Um, But unfortunately, it just likes to say, hey, we're not going to make the best fights. We're going to make this mandatory and that mandatory. And we're going to get in the way of ourselves. Uh... At least that's where it's at right now, which is unfortunate. Although, there is a huge fight, and this is not really Asian boxing. It's not Asian boxing at all. Um, but there is a huge heavyweight fight that uh, is was made and will be going on tomorrow. Joshua Usyk. I know we're, we're delving out of Asian boxing territory, Scott. But what do you think about that fight, and, and who do you have winning? I think that's the sort of fight we should be expecting more often. I think it's two top guys, um, two guys who have been on collision course. But again, when you go back, boxing's gotten away itself. This is the first time Joshua's defended in a WBO mandatory in like four years or something. Um, mandatories perhaps aren't great, but sometimes you need them. Um, I think it's the first time he's defended in a mandatory since he won the title. Um, Usyk's waited absolutely ages for this shot. Um Unfortunately, I think Joshua's going to be too big, too strong, too powerful. 
But for a few rounds, I think he's going to struggle. I think he's really going to struggle with the speed and timing of Usyk. But eventually, the the size difference will really play a uh, play a major factor. I saw the weigh in, and it looks like he's about twenty pounds, fifteen twenty pounds heavier. So that's not that bad. Um, it will be interesting to see though how Usyk takes a punch from Joshua. He's never fought a guy like Joshua who has that punching power. Yeah, you can argue Gassiev has that power, but he hasn't got the fluidity behind it. He's very heavy-handed, but there's no combinations from Gassiev. And uh, whilst Gassiev's a one-punch KO artist, I think Joshua puts them together much, much better. Um, when he hurts you, he tends to finish you off. I still believe Usyk unanimous decision. I believe that he's going to outbox him. But there is that, obviously, the chance for Joshua to knock him out. I just I just think Usyk can, can out skill him and and stay on his feet which is uh the main thing that he has to do unfortunately you've forgotten the major x factor could you get a decision in the uk oh you're right you're right home field advantage is a thing especially in the uk i think we're probably the worst country for hometown decisions nowadays well not only that but uh joshua is the cash cow i mean you talk about the biggest star in boxing, and there's only two of them right now, and, and one of them is Anthony Joshua, the other, of course, being Canelo. He's going to have to knock Joshua out to win, probably. He's going to have to win 11 get a draw. Or maybe at least knock him down. Something. Got a couple more points. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for it, Scott. Um, this is what boxing should be doing, is making fights like this. This is a good mandatory fight. Uh, it's the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info with Scott and Colin. Finally, Scott, some news uh, about one of the great ones, Manny Pacquiao. One, is retiring, and two, he's running for office. Yeah, you just mentioned the spot has two global stars in Joshua and Canal. I think we can probably still put Pacquiao in that, um, even though he's very much faded false, but... Uh, running for president of the Philippines, why not? Um, it'd be great to see him having that sort of impact, although I've got to admit I don't always agree with his political views or his personal views, but it'd be massive um, massive news for sure how effective sports and politics can mix if he manages to become president. I know over here in the UK we've seen Marcus Rashford, the football player, having massive, um, massive effects on how the world or how the UK government has seen things. So to see a professional boxer become present would be massive for the spot, um, especially if he focuses on helping the people and not helping himself like too many world leaders have done. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Manny's a man of the people, and he already has helped the people of the Philippines immensely. So I think if, if he is in that position, he can help a lot. He's... Not only a great boxer, but he's a great human being. And uh, we wish him the best in his running of office. Uh, Scott, the Triple G fight, that's going to happen too, right? Yeah, for months it's been rumored to be December 28th. It now appears that's all but a done deal. It's just waiting for design to sign it off. Um, Murata Triple G, by the way. For those, I, I shouldn't just say Triple G. It's going to be Murata and Triple G in Japan. Yeah, in a unification at middleweight, um, it's a great matchup. I think it's very fan-friendly. 
I think the loser that's probably going to be in retirement, um, maybe the winner as well. You got to fear Triple G. He is the better boxer, but Murata, I think, is the sort of fighter who will who will hurt Triple uh, will hurt Glovkin uh, just due to his physicality, and I think it would be a very very brutal uh, career shortening bout for both. See, we have Christmas to look forward to, and then right after that, December twenty eighth, Murata Triple G. And we could potentially have more big bouts in December with rumors of Inuye reappearing in November. We've got Tanaka. Um, and, of course, we've got Ayoka on New Year's Eve, I imagine. One last bit of news, Scott. Our favorite name of the week. And this might be a new segment where we just look at different funny names in the sport of boxing. You know the household names like Manny, like Anthony Joshua, like Canelo. But this should be a household name, Scott. Give us, give us the name of this great boxer from Indonesia. It's Luigi's brother, Stinky Mario Bunda. Yeah, I don't really think we need to add anything else. It is just Stinky Mario Bunda. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, if it was Mario, that'd be cool. But you put the Stinky in front of that, that's already great. I had a favorite name um, before. Uh, Thunder Teruya was one of my favorites. Um, but Stinky Mario Blunder might take it. Bunder, B-U-N-D-E-R, right? Yeah, right. And I'm still a really big fan of Scorpion Kintaro, who fought a few weeks ago as well. Oh, you're right. Scorpion Kintaro, Thunder Teruya. There's some good ones, but Stinky Mario Bunder might take the cake. And smell out. Oh, that's not going to get old. All right, Stinky, we'll be watching your fight this weekend. And thank you again so much for making us a part of your day. We appreciate you wherever you may be. If you love Asian boxing, make sure to go to the website, asianboxing.info. Scott does a great job with the news, all of the videos, this podcast. It's all there at asianboxing.info. But until then, we'll talk to you next time.